Well, I want to welcome all of you to another episode of The Conversation, just my opportunity to speak to interesting people in our community about their experience in this coronavirus, but also how they see the world emerging after the coronavirus. Today, my guest, lovely Mayor Warren, doesn't need a lot of introduction to us. She has been our mayor now for six years, or she's in her sixth year. But before that, she served on the city council for six or seven years, three years as its president. So she's been in leadership in Rochester uh, for many years, although she is still very young. Many of you probably know <laughs> she is uh, was our youngest uh, city council president and our youngest mayor. So it's an honor to be with here today. She her, She's educated, some of you may know, I think it was New York City, right? John Jay, is that where you went to college? Yes. Yep. Yes. And then Albany Law. So really, you've spent your whole life. She spent her whole life really in New York State. But I'm I'm most excited as our mayor and as this conversation that you you know the city that you have led very well. You were raised in Rochester. You were educated in Rochester. And uh, so you know this city well. So it's an honor to be with you here this morning, Mayor. Thanks for giving us some time. Thank you, Pastor Rob. And thank you for your, your prayers. I definitely appreciate it, not just during this time, but, um, you know, ever since I've known you, you have always extended the helping hand and uh, the hand of grace. And so I definitely appreciate that and the Brown Cross Community Church for all that you do in our community. Well, thank you so much. We're, we're, we're grateful to have a small part in uh, doing whatever we can for this great city yeah. that I love too. I suppose I want to ask you this. You guys said a little of this before we started, but I I don't want to get, dive in without asking just how you're doing, how you and your husband are doing, your daughter. How how how's life in the coronavirus for for the, for your family? Life is great. Um, you know, we've adjusted well, and I uh, thank God that um, my daughter's school. She's in a fourth grade. They were able to really um, adjust to online school really quickly. Uh, she attends North Star Christian. And um, they were up and running really fast for her. And so um, being able to connect with her classmates has made it a lot easier. Her teacher has been, uh, you know, dynamite with not only providing the information, but also doing different seminars with them. And so she hasn't missed a beat. Um, I think that um, the cold weather has helped out a lot because, you know, the, the right. wanting to go out um, a lot has stopped. Why we still take her out to ride her bike and things like that. Um, as it pertains to the daily work of, of the mayor's office, uh, we still, you know, I still go into the office. My husband is an essential worker. So we're in and out, um, you know, doing what we can to make sure we stay safe and keep our family safe. Um, you know, mm. the hardest part is being apart from our, our family. I right. mean, my mom, I'm used to seeing her um, at least, you know, once or twice a week. And, you know, I, I have to drive by and wave to her, drop off groceries. Um, mm. And, you know, really just seeing the, the toll that it's taken on families across our community, uh, and including my family. Um, we, um, my, my sister's my sister lost uh, several people to the coronavirus. My my uncle wow. passed away in New York City uh, to the virus, and so um, you know when you look at the the, the totality of mm. um, what's happening, we have our challenges. But you know, thankful that 
um, we're able to do what's necessary on behalf of, of those that we love and care about. Wow. Well, I, I didn't know that or didn't read that, that you had personal members of your family. I'm very sorry to hear that. You have my, uh, my, um, you. sorry, my condolences for that. And I would imagine if, if you're like everyone else that you, you guys weren't allowed to do very much after um, the fact. Correct. My um, uncle was actually differently abled and he mm. lived in New York City. My grandmother is 91 wow. uh, this year. And, um, you know, so it's very hard for her because mm. she's also suffering from a dementia and, mm. um, you know, not being able to hold her son's hand and um, not being able to get the body because things are really right. different down in New York City than they, they are mm. here. Um, so, um, for us, it was just a matter of, as a family, you know, praying, coming together, understanding that, you know, if we're people of faith, we believe that he's gone on to a, a, a different place and, and I've gone on to be with the Lord. And mm. um, we mm. have to lean on on that understanding and not on our own understanding. And so, um, you know, the challenges that my sister, friends and all of them down in D.C. Um, is really impacting a lot of uh, the people that she knows uh, more so um, than you know than anything else, mm. and so it's very difficult to comfort her during this time because can't go to funerals, can't right. do any of that except for you know really console your friends over over the the phone. Yeah, well, that's very tough. Um, well, let me dive in, Mayor, and ask you maybe a philosophical question to begin with, and I do want to mm-hmm. have some time to talk about your life and uh, your personal story. But the first one is, the which really kind of started this whole um, podcast for me, which is as I talk to some people um, in our community, both this church and outside of it, I um, a lot of people were talking to me about not only what they're thinking about the coronavirus, but what comes next. And, and I know that you have... Even as young as you are, you were um, you've served in the city. Even you were in, in city council. Maybe you were the president of city council, but I know you were on city council when the um, I believe when the um, the last great crisis. Were you in seven and eight? Were you serving in two thousand and seven and eight? Yes. Yes. So yes. that's just an example. And then I don't know what you were doing in in two thousand and one. Maybe you were still in, um, in law, law school. school. Yeah. You'll never forget when nine eleven. Okay, so you were in New York what City. Happened nine eleven. Yeah. yeah. No, so, I was in law school. I was in Albany. Oh, that's right. In so Albany. I went to college and, um, and actually I was working for the New York state legislature. So I'm in David Gang. Okay. So, um, you know, you never forget where, where you yes. were standing when you got the news. And I have a lot of family. My dad's family lived in New York city and continue to live in mm-hmm. New York city. So it was definitely a trying time for everyone. So when you think, let's just think of those two examples, 2001, 9/11 and of course the uh, the great financial crisis of 2007 and 8 you know those were very serious but you could say those were you know serious episodes to be endured we in some ways we we got through them and we carried on and in your opinion uh and in, as the mayor of Rochester would you say that what we're doing right now no one knows the answer to this but do you think this is an episode to be endured we will bounce back or is this something more than that is this maybe a transformational moment in our in the way we do life and the way we experience um, our culture and our society? I think that it's a transformational moment um, in the way we experience life. And um, I think that it is transformational because we are going to have to operate a lot differently than we have in the past. And 
when I say that, it is because the things that we cherished, um, and we talked about this, Pastor Rob, before um, we, we started, where the things that we we lauded and, and applauded, meaning sports and music and all those different um, entertainment, uh, I think a lot of things that we, we praised, um, you know, in, in a matter of days was just completely shut down, hmm. you know, money, all those things. And we had to sort of retreat and um, it has us all taken a step back and looking at, okay, what, what's most important? You know, am I, am I right with God? Am I in a, right. in a place that I need to be? Um, have I really been focusing on my family the way that I, I need to focus on my family? Um, and we all had to, you know, go in and really take an introspective look. And so I think that when this is all over and, and done with, you know, life will be different. Um, yeah. And life will be, we will operate differently because uh, we do not know when um, this virus, when we'll have say, um and, and, you know, not necessarily a cure, but a vaccine right. for the virus, um, how long it's going to be around. And so those transformational moments where we have to really look at how we do business and what's most important is happening. And uh, But I do believe that we'll come out better and stronger on the other side because we um, now understand that we, we're not in control. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, that's the most important part about this. You think that you're in control, but right. in a matter of days, uh, everything changed for, for everyone at the same time. Well, you know, I, I so appreciate you saying that. And some people might say this about you or me or someone, in, you know, you're being positive because, you know, you're you're in the public figure. Um, but I, I, I sense it's very genuine from you. And I appreciate that because I find myself maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, uh, saying similar things. In other words, I, I sense that, although I don't know the future, I, I, I'm, I'm sanguine about it. I, I, I really do feel um, God is doing things in this world, and people sometimes, as you know, Lincoln said, you know, the better angels of our nature, I think a lot of people, I think that's coming out. And, and even though we're, of course, we're suffering losses of different kinds, as you have, even personally, um, and loss of freedoms, et cetera. You know, I really feel like we are gonna we're we're gonna come out of this better and stronger. And um, so I appreciate you saying that. And, and it leads to my second question, which is I know really about how your faith has or has not influenced your response. So here you are in a mayor, very important job here. And I know you mayor have a a personal faith, a long lasting, uh, long time faith in your life. How has that um, helped you? or encouraged you or influenced your decisions as mayor responding to this crisis? So my faith has, I believe, kept me grounded, right? So when you want to pull out your hair and just go outside and start screaming and running down the street because things are falling, you know, every day there's something that's different that's coming and you're trying to respond, you know, you for me, I lean back on my faith and understand that God is the one that is in control. And I believe that he has called me to serve for such a time as this. Mm. And, um, you know, if we truly understand and, you know, for me, um, you know, understanding my, my and leaning on that faith is to, to trust him, uh, mm. to trust that. Uh, you know, the, the things that he has outlined in, in the Bible, you know, he's always brought his people through. 
you know, have there been challenges? Absolutely. You know, tough challenges, you know, loss of life, plagues and other things, but uh, floods and, but he's always brought um, his people through. Mm-hmm. And I think that that um, in and of itself, he sacrificed his, his only son so that we may, we may live. And so um, I can't think that he won't do the same here. It may seem because we're in the middle of it, that there is, you know, you know, that people can look at it and say, oh, well, there, there's no hope. But actually that, that is the hope, you know, that when you read every um, situation, every challenge that, you know, came before, it was that he had made sure that we came out stronger and better mm-hmm. because of it. You look at what's happening, even with the atmosphere in the, in the, the fact that the earth in and of itself is replenishing itself. The mm-hmm. air is getting cleaner, the water and all those things. Yeah. It is, you know, you, you look at it and say that, that this cannot just be happen for, for, for no reason. Somebody's right. in control of this and, right. and that has to be God. Um, when you look across the spectrum of everything that's happening and for it to be happening globally, it's not just happening in one particular spot where no matter where you live at in the world, we're in the same position mm-hmm. in having to take those necessary steps, not only just to protect ourselves and our family, but also to protect the earth. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, I think we, we won't know probably until, I don't know, you know, six months or three years, all the, um, the secondary or tertiary implications of, of what has happened. Like you say, you're talking about the ecology. Right. Who's even thinking about that now um, when we're, you know, we're thinking about the economy? Um, but who <laughs> knows? I, I think you're absolutely right. And, uh, and, and, and of course, what you were saying a few minutes ago, even more so, is what does it mean for people's lives? You know, as you say, you're, you know, what is the most important thing? How do we understand family? How do we understand community? I know something that you care a lot about and have talked a lot about neighborhoods, even even just in the in the city of Rochester itself, the zip codes of the city of Rochester. How is it going to transform community in the way that we understand mm-hmm. community? Um, another question, maybe out of the second question too, and this goes back as you think about six years. I'm not necessarily thinking of the coronavirus, although that may be your answer, but what's been the most surprising difficulty that you've experienced as mayor? I mean, you you were in city government for years. So, you know, you weren't, um, I guess you never know until you're, you never know what it means to be the mayor until you're the mayor. But in your right. case, you had some experience. But I wonder, looking back in these five and a half years or whatever it's been, what's been your most surprising difficulty that you've experienced? So I would have to say that the time that we're in right now is probably mm-hmm. the most challenging because it impacts every aspect of our lives right so when you think about the education of our children um you can identify and see the digital divide you can see that you know some families and children you know their their schools were able to adjust and on a fly and 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 the children had really no loss of learning when you think about the economy at this point in time for restaurants businesses you know, all retail ought to be shut down and closed and not under, not to know rather they're going to be come, coming back. You know, I think about our employees that um, are, you know, currently working from home um, and many of them on the front lines are police officers, our firefighters, nurses, doctors, and the 
impact that this uh, virus has had on, on their lives and in their daily work um, and, and how we deliver those services and a change in delivering those services um, that we've had uh, to be in a leadership position and, and really have to make decisions right now. We're in a current process of looking at our budget. We're on a um, a July 1st, June 30th budget cycle. So, mm. you know, we're in the middle of a crisis trying to figure out, um, you know, knowing that only we, we only fund our city basically through three operations. And that's, you know, the money that we get from the state in the state. Of course, you've heard the governor talk about the fact that, you know, there are billions of dollars in the hole. Uh, sales tax, you know, because everything is shut down, people and people are uncertain. They're not spending money. Mm. Um, and then property tax and the impacts that, you know, that, you know, for the city, we are mandated by law to provide uh, mm. $119.1 million to the school district, which is 68% of the taxes that we collect. Mm. And so this crisis across the board has turned into a health crisis that's turned into a fiscal crisis mm. um, that we are going to have to manage and make sure that we continue to provide the exceptional service because at mm. the end of the day, people, when they call the police department, they want to know that someone's going to show up when they call yeah. the fire department, when they put their trash out, they, right. they're going to, you know, so this probably, uh, you know, this for me is the most challenging mm. moment in time. Uh, for leaders, but I can assure you that one thing that gives me hope and gives me pause is that every level of government um, and, you know, our business community, our faith community have really stepped up to, to really work together to say, you know what, this is not going to, our challenges will not define us. You know, we're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray to come out of this. Um, our leaders are, you know, our, our government from the county the state, even the federal government working together to provide for the people on the mm. ground um, and then continue to do the work um, on behalf of the people that we represent. That's great. I, uh, I agree. And I'm, 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 I'm inspired, you know, by um, big and small things all the time, you know, from things like, you know, people cooperating with each other, even, you know, people who wouldn't normally cooperate with each other, but even families. I'll just one quick story. We we shared it in church this Sunday. Just one one um kind of smart, um, engineer minded um middle schooler who um has a three D printer of his own and he was he was actually invite he, he saw it from a, 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 a an email from the library, the one of the local libraries who had uh, the woman who ran the library knew that he had this printer, so she sent him this note, and it inspired him and another friend to make um, the the frames for those shields for for, for uh, protective shields, and they ended up uh-huh. making about a hundred of them. And I just thought, you know, that that yeah. that, that that multiply that story, I would imagine, by hundreds, and uh, it's such an inspiration, I think, to see people do their very best work. Um, Absolutely. One, one, a couple of the things that you were just saying, uh, Mayor, about you know resilience and leadership, and it makes me think. I know some people have heard your personal story, so you you can retell as much or as little as you'd like. You have an interesting personal story as far as your. I know your grandfather and other people that were influential in your life, but I wonder if you know how your personal story um, has shaped your professional life. You know um, how has what. Your, your, um, those influences that you've had, even the experiences that you've had, um, being an African-American woman in this city, et cetera, 
um, have shaped your convictions and your values. And I would imagine some people even say, I don't know if I've ever anyone say this about you, but your ambition, you know? So I wonder um, what you think about when you hear that question. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, to, you know, my, my, my story, I think, um, across the board, you know, my grandfather and my grandparents on my mom's side have been a, um, a driving force in letting me know in, in our entire family, um, my cousins and I, that we could accomplish and achieve anything that we put our mind to, that, that there, there will be no limitations on our success except for the ones that we put on it. Um, but it was always grounded in, in faith. My grandfather was an elder in a church. Mm. Um, I was born and raised in the church. And so therefore, um, he always, you know, my, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but my grandfather couldn't read. So mm. he, but he knew the Bible like the back of his hand. And if he mm. told you to go to Philippians or to Joshua 1-9 and you were not quoting the right scripture, he mm. didn't know and say, uh, that's not what it says. And so we would always think that that was like a miracle. Like, granddad, you can't read this. Like, how do you know that we're in the wrong place? Mm. And, um, but, but he just knew. Mm. Um, I don't talk about this part of his story that often. Um, but when my grandfather, um, in 1984, he was working as a security guard at Wegmans and he, he was shot mm. and he, um, was shot four times. And they actually pronounced him dead um, in, in the in the hospital um, room. And my aunt um, was a ICU nurse um, at the same hospital, and so she said to the doctor, "Like, look, you have to keep working on him. You, you cannot, you know, go out here and tell this family that he's gone." And so, um, you know, Doctor Nada Rogers, who is still, um, I think he's still pr- uh, practicing now. Um, you know, he really, he saved my grandfather's life. Um, but also, um, my grandfather, when he came out, um, when he woke up with the tubes and all of that in the hospital, he, he took out all of the tubes and, you know, stood up in a, in the bed, um, after surgery and, and, and my grandmother and my, my uncles was in the room and they're like, what are you doing? Like, no, you need that. And he said, no, I don't. He said, mm-hmm. God said my work on earth isn't done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, we and my grandmother, of course, my uncles don't understand it, and they think like, okay, he's delirious, right? right, <laughs> we, right. We, you know, even though we were, but he literally, literally, they took all of the tubes, took everything out of him within, I believe, two weeks um, or less than two weeks, with all four bullets in him, he came out of the hospital. Wow! And he lived for um, almost another, you know, thirty thirty years. Wow! Um, and so that I was in a second grade. And he never really was able to articulate or tell us because it was so, um, it was such an emotional experience for him. Um, when I, I, I asked him a couple of times, you know, tell me what it was like. Tell me what you saw. Tell me. Um, and he was sorry. He said, you, you know, you just, I cannot tell you exactly what happened or, you know, and he would start to tear up and he mm. couldn't. Um, say, but he just said, I just know, he said, I, I know what he told me. He said, your work on earth isn't done. Hmm. And so for me, that knowing um, my grandfather's story, knowing that he had came back and hmm. lived a, a full life, um, and the fact that it was always grounded on faith, 
and not that they didn't have struggles. They came from the uh, as sharecroppers um, from King Street, South Carolina, wow. but never really um, allowed those challenges to define who they were and always, you know, really instilled in us that, you know, in the end, your faith um, and your commitment to family um, and uh, making sure that you, you know, you do the right thing. Um, even when you have to stand by yourself, you stand on what you believe is the right principle. And that for me is, mm. is, is what gets me through the day. That's a great story. I know he, I think, if I'm right, he, he died right after you were inaugurated. Is that right? Or am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, he uh, had a massive stroke um, on December 23rd, 2013. Mm. And um, I, I prayed to God and I said, you know, listen, he's come this far to see mm. me um, actually um, be mayor, be elected mayor. Mm. Um, please allow him the time to actually see me sworn in. Wow. And um, he, uh, we had a swearing in ceremony at the hospital. I'm thankful to Strong for allowing us to do that at the hospital um, on January 1st, mm. uh, 2014. And he died on January 2nd. Wow. I'm unbelievable. How old was he? He was 89. Wow, that's amazing. He would have been he would have been 90 years old on on his next birthday. Wow, so. wow. So I don't know. You didn't say. I've never heard. The, I mean, that story, of course, till right now about your your grandfather. So this is a race question, and I have no idea if your if your um, grandfather's um, the the shooting at Wegmans had anything to do with race. But I wonder. You've talked about this before. But how important is race? in the challenges of our city, I suppose you could say this about many cities, I could be asking other mayors, but in your mind, how important is it? And what what do you think, what do some people, maybe me, you know, I mean, anybody, still not get about um, race in when we think about life or politics? So um, race didn't have anything to do with his, his shooting. Mm. It was somebody that was just... Um, feeling he was his security guard and it just so happened that you know um he was impacted by it um i think that race in this day and age plays a lot in um how we look and and think about people and and it is embedded into the very makeup of um our society especially um now i think for many years um and this is not a, a negative slight on on the on the president. Um, I think that for many years people hid their racism. Um, they were very good at disguising it, and now we see it come out a lot more um, freely. And and I think it's because of the times that we are currently in and, and currently live in. Um, you know, for me. I can I can tell you the the number of hate mail that I get or the phone calls that my staff receive calling them the n words or calling people in the city um, monkeys and other things like that and people feel really free to be um, you know just to not show any compassion or any regard for um, for people's feelings. Wow. Um, and I, and I, for me, the, the fact that my 
and that, you know, my, my mom's family, as I said, came from, they were sharecroppers in, um, in the South, moved to Rochester for a better opportunity. And, um, you know, they never let us forget the, the stories, right? So mm. my uncle would tell us about, you know, how he, um, you know, how he had to go in, they had to go in a back door, how they couldn't drink out the same water fountain, how he almost got killed because he, you know, had moved up north and went back down and forgot that he was supposed to go through the back door. Mm. And, you know, his friend came running out and was like, oh, no, you got to get out of here. And, um, you know, so they would take us back to South Carolina and they would show us where they were from and they would tell us uh, the stories. And I think that, you know, understanding your history is so very important. My dad's life was a, a little bit different. My dad was born and raised in, in Trinidad and Tobago. And mm. so um, my grandfather, my, my dad came here as an undocumented immigrant first. Um, my grandparents was my grandmother. Um, his dad had already passed away in, in Trinidad, but my grandmother, uh, my dad's family lived in New York City. And um, so the experiences of racism wasn't as prevalent in his um, his background and in his life. And so his whole premise was opportunity. Mm. Um, and so when it came down to education, when it came down to um, understanding that um, I don't, you know, you have no excuses because you truly don't understand poverty, right? Mm. Um, when you come from a, a third world country or mm. a, a country that, you know, didn't have, you know, running war and electricity and all those things like that. Mm. And I'm complaining about studying or taking a piano lesson. He's like, mm. you know, so he looked at it as, uh, you know, mm. you American children. He would always say that you American children, you know, you don't understand. Wow. And so I had it from both sides. Right. How, how old was he when <laughs> and, he came to the United States? Um, it was 1974. Uh, so he had to be in his 30s. All right. So he was he was um, raised com- as a young person in another country okay so that makes sense yes. those, those comments yes. yeah yes so he it, and um so he would never let me forget it you mm. know um he, he didn't accept mediocrity he didn't um so that now i understand all of the things that he was saying to me when i was younger even though i didn't appreciate it when i was younger mm. um so I, I said all that to say that um, depending on your frame of reference, right. depending on your experiences, define how you look at race and how it plays in your life. Mm. Um, I was raised in a community that was very diverse. The 19th Ward was very diverse. Um, you know, we had, you know, white, black, old, young, um, Hispanic, you know, I'm a, I'm mm. a black, I'm I, I didn't look at, um, I didn't really know racism until I was much older experiences. Mm. Um, so your frame of reference mm. um, is, is what defines it. And I think that nowadays people are more free to be disrespectful. Mm. Um, but it also shows that we have a lot of work to do when it comes down to race. You know, it's so interesting. Two quick things that you just said, which is, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but the the fact that we're, I don't know, more, we, we, we've been, it's been longer years since, let's say, the, um, you know, the, um, you know, uh, the, the, the advances of, 
of the 1960s or 70s or whatever, you know, I mean, as we've moved forward, we hope we're a more enlightened people at some degree. But as you just said, and I think it's true that we're in a, we're living in a day where people are, um, you know, feel more free and there's been more uncapping, I suppose, of a lot of latent um, bigotry or racism or whatever. So it's, it's strange. I could imagine if I was a young person saying, hmm, you know, you know, is this where, have we evolved more? Have we become more enlightened? Have we become more um, progressive, whatever the term is? You would think we have in some ways, but in other ways, it seems like we haven't. Or or maybe, maybe change happens by ultimately getting to the underlying motivations or the, under, you know, some of these secret, um, whatever you want to call them, ways in which people have these um, you know, feelings that are that have been kept, as you say, under wraps or kept hidden from the surface, but maybe they're being forced to the surface and maybe it feels like we're experiencing this return to the, uh, to the past, um, but may, maybe it's a way forward. I hope so. I hope so. But the other thing that you said real quick, I want to, we talk about frame of reference. I think it's so important when you think about anything, it could be politics. We couldn't be, you know, instead of talking about race, you're talking about politics, but Someone I interviewed for this podcast who, I don't know if you know her, um, Lori Van Dusen, she runs a, um, a financial, uh, one of the large uh, financial firms and mainly does work in New York City. But anyway, I was talking to her and, and asking her the question, not about race, but about being a woman and about being a woman who has had a lot of, um, you know, rewards and accolades and experienced a lot of um, uh, success as a woman. And I said, you know, how, how have you experienced it? And she said, you know, until I went to, college um and it's i think she did her graduate work at harvard she said i didn't even know that that was an issue that is to say that i was in some sort of protected class or category or that a woman couldn't do x because she was raised by a single mother and who was a very um you know hardworking, bootstrap her way kind of person you know like don't have any expectations you are the consequences of the hard work and she talked about her grandparents um, who were very influential. And she said, I just didn't know until I was in an environment where my success seemed to be um, unusual or seemed to be that I was in a special class of people. So I really appreciate what you're saying that, you know, um, and that's a credit perhaps to your 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 grandparents and your parents and and maybe is, is part of your success. I'm sure you experience, of course, as you said earlier a minute ago, racism as your staff does, you can't help it as the mayor, a mayor of a city now, but I think the fact that you have, um, you you grew up with with not without that kind of um, to a degree without that thing kind of hanging over your head, or uh, you, you know, your father just said, you know, get with it and, and do your homework, um, says a lot about who you are today. So I, I appreciate that. I'm almost done. I have a couple more quick questions, and but this this okay. this goes into what you were saying about your dad. You know, you you are a leader. Uh, you know, obviously as the mayor, uh, but even as you know, I said earlier, you know, the 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 youngest mayor and the youngest president of city council, and you know, uh, I, maybe another time we'll talk about you know, lovely Warren's ambitions. You you, ha- I mean, you're an ambitious <laughs> person. I think it's great. I, I think it's one of the great things about you. But what would you say now, having been mayor? That's probably been your most challenging uh, job, and so far. You know, what, what would you say is the most important characteristic of a leader? You know, if, if a young person was asking you, you know, um, what's most important for leadership? You know, what would you say? What's the most important characteristic of a leader to be a successful leader? Um, I would have to say 
be willing to listen. That um, a lot of times you won't have a <clears throat> people, and I can I, I I can say I've learned this over time. Um, when I first um, became mayor, I felt like I had a lot to prove, right? Because you know um, many people didn't believe that. You know, they believe that it was a fluke that I that I won, right? So um, that that you know, I felt like okay, well, I have a lot to prove here, um, and I didn't in the beginning really listen to um, advice, or or I listened to the wrong advice, I should say. Um, and so I would say, um, surround yourself with. Um, with strong people mm. that are willing to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, and even when, you know, and to challenge you to be better, mm. um, to not lead with emotion, mm. to lead with, with, lead with facts, to lead with the data. Um, it took me having to take some really hard hits. And, you know, as people say, you know, um, learn from my experience. Right. Mm. Like I can tell people learn from my experience. Don't, you don't have to go through the same things that I went through. Um, and I would say that 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 first year of being mayor was the toughest year for mm. me, um, made me stronger. But it also taught me to um, understand that I'm not in this position um, to, to prove things to people. I mean, it's position to serve yeah. and being willing to serve meaning and understanding what service is like must first mean that you have to be willing to listen right? and to um, hear the tough things that people have to say and then make the decision based on the information and on the facts and not based on feelings. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that that was so very, very important for me um, starting off and learning from the the challenges and, and the mistakes that I think that I made. Mm. Um, um, that that for me, um, and I think for any young person coming into the position, you do not have to be the smartest person in the room. You have to surround yourself with the smartest people. Wow. Um, but ultimately, you make the decision. You have your folks do the research. You have them tell you the information and then you make the decision based on what you've learned. And if you are surrounded by the right people, those decisions will be the best decisions. Wow. That you make. Great advice. I, I don't know if you saw in the paper, I know it was last, maybe Friday in the, I think it was the New York times, Tom Friedman in, in who wrote a, he did an interview with one of his mentors or friends. I forget the guy's name, but it was about leadership. And he, um, one of the things he said um, this guy who was such a great interview, and he said, um, the most important thing leaders need to do, I think in all times, but in times of crisis, is tell the truth. And mm-hmm. um, and be, and you often need people, like you're saying, um, in those times who are willing to ch- to help you understand what the truth is. In other words, truth mm-hmm. truth tellers in your own life. So I really appreciated that and appreciate what you just said. Well, I want to let you go, Mayor, but I want to give you the last word in a sense. You know, um, you, you uh, not that who knows who listens to this, but you know some of our congregation. But if 
you know, what, what, what word do you have for us or how can we help you, encourage you or, or be good citizens um, uh, in, in the city in, for such a time as this? Well, thank you, Pastor Rob, for inviting me to be a part of the conversation. I love the title, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, having a conversation um, about not only our challenges, but our opportunities um, for everyone that's listening. I, I want to not only just encourage you, but let you know that we're all in this together, that we may be <clears throat> experiencing different levels of this particular virus, given our socioeconomic status, our race and other things. But at the end of the day, we are all in, in this together. Um, the last point that you made about um, telling the truth and, and, and letting the truth define your decisions and choices, I think is very important. I think that I would say to people, um, you know, don't be a to challenge those people that are within your circle. And so, so for far often, we, for, for too many times, we allow for certain comments to be made, certain things to be said, and we don't challenge it. We don't challenge them on their, their frame of reference and why you see it that way. Um, I would ask the question and, and have people ask the question as to why. Why do you see that situation in that particular way? Um, and then I will also, you know, have people not be afraid to talk about and have the tough discussions mm. that challenge our own understanding of certain things, our own frame of reference. Where did this come from? And, and examine those things within your own circle. Mm. I'll leave with a story. When I was in, in law school, there was a situation that happened where um, one of my good friends was a, an Italian woman. And, you know, I was president of the Black uh, Law Students Association. And there was a situation that happened on campus. And her and I, uh, she didn't understand where I was coming from. I didn't understand where she was coming from. But, you know what, we, we, we went for a walk. And you know, I was able to tell her my experiences, my life experiences, and she was able to share hers. Mm. And in the end, we were able to see both sides and come out even stronger and better as friends because of it. Mm. But if we never, if, if I walked away and said, you know what, since you have that opinion, I don't care and I'm not talking to you about right, it and, you know, right. go away. And she did the same. Neither one of us would have been able to understand right each other's frame of reference. Right. And I think that it's so very, very important to get to know people right. and not to just, not just to understand or to have our own right. um, opinions based on what we hear from other folks, but to learn for, from our, for ourselves. Yeah. And we can only do that by challenging each other to be better, to be stronger, to be wiser. Um, and I think that that's part of what we need to do as, not only Christians, but um, to show compassion. And I think that this is what Christ wants us to, to do and, and, and what our Amen. faith wants us to do is to understand one another because we're all in this together. We're a part of the human race. Well, it's interesting. You, you said um, what you're saying here in that story is back to what you said at the beginning of this time together was what you learned in your first year was to listen and um, is one of the great, most important lessons that you learned in your in in being a leader. And I forget it was a Stephen Covey, whoever said, you know, seek to understand, and then to be understood. And that is so critical. And I hope and pray that that 
what that's one of the the, the outcomes of this experience um, that we're all going through in every community, but in the city of Rochester. Well, can I pray for you, Mayor? Amen. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. let me close our time with a prayer. God and Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege. Uh, what a joy uh, it has been for me uh, to be uh, just sitting here and speaking uh, to Mayor Warren. I thank you for her. I thank you for, Lord, the um, the the, um, the the commitment that she has, the the determination that she has, the faith that she has, that has all conspired together to bring her to this moment uh, as she's serving, as she said a few minutes ago, in, in the greatest um, leadership challenge uh, of her young life. And I just thank you, God, that you have put her here. I thank you for the people that are around her. Um, and I pray for them all, Lord, that you would continue to protect them and give them wisdom and courage and um, conviction uh, to, to help us through these days um, ahead as a city, as a people, as a community. I pray for the many challenges that we didn't talk about. I can't even imagine whether it's our our uh, law enforcement personnel, our, our um, the, the many teachers and students in, in the city of Rochester and in around in the surrounding towns and areas, and in the fiscal challenges that the mayor mentioned earlier, I just can't even imagine. Lord, they're they're so big, they're uh, they're hard to um, wrap our minds around. But I just pray for wisdom, and that you would give uh, uh, Mayor Warren wisdom and 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 grace and favor and we just thank you and i pray for her family her her husband her daughter her her extended family um, for their health and for their well-being and we just thank you in jesus name amen Amen. thank you so much i look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon yes absolutely take care you too have a great day you too bye-bye